Good morning. Wow, worship team and choir, I want to thank you for leading us in worship this morning. I don't know about you, but that was a gift to my soul, uh, to be able to worship together, to hear the voices raised in this place. Uh, I know many of us enter into this space today with heavy hearts. As we uh, read the headlines, as we uh, imagine all that's happening in Ukraine these days, uh, and not only that, but in our own lives, there are other headlines going on. And how good it is to come to this place and remember who he is, as Pastor Ben said so well, who he is. Uh, so be encouraged today, church. I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, I've been very much looking forward to this Sunday uh, in the last uh, few weeks as we've been preparing for today. And we are wrapping up today our February series called It's Spiritual. And when we began this series, we looked at this passage from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the message, which says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I love that scripture. Your everyday, ordinary life is a spiritual thing. What a beautiful statement this is, a great picture for us of what it means to follow Jesus, that we get to be all in, fully surrendered. And because we believe that, that this is what it means to follow Jesus, then this month we've specifically been talking about the area of our lives, of our money, our finances, uh, because we believe that is a spiritual topic. Now, that may seem surprising. Of course, when we think of spiritual things, other things may come to mind first. We think about reading the Bible or going to church or our beliefs about God. But as we're walking through this series and as we're seeing the teaching of Jesus, we're remembering that when Jesus talks to us about following him, he wants us to follow him with the whole of our lives, that we will be all in. Jesus isn't just interested in some specific aspect of your life as if you can divide just a spiritual component of your life. Jesus wants freedom and life for all of you. He wants joy and hope uh, to be at the center of who you are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that means when we study the teaching of Jesus, because that's what Jesus wants for us, we discover that Jesus often draws attention to areas of our lives that may feel like they are off limits. So he raises the tension for us in the conversation. Jesus talked about our money and our possessions a lot because money is a very effective means to get to our hearts, isn't it? We know that to be true. It is a deeply personal topic. It's something we have everyday interaction with and with our money. And it's something that so often sparks deep emotion and strong feeling. And that's why it can feel awkward for us to be talking about it in church because that subject can raise some tension for us. But we're not talking about this subject for the sake of fundraising. We're talking about this for the sake of discipleship because Jesus taught us that this is a spiritual area of our lives because the truth is our money leads our hearts. 
See, if you take Jesus at his word, and if you will treat your money and your possessions as, a, as something of spiritual significance in your life, that will shape your heart. And the truth is, God is not after your money. We know he owns it all, but God is after your heart. So what if the way that you relate to and handle your money, what if that's not only spiritual, but what if that is an area of your life that can actually be a catalyst for growth in your relationship with Jesus? Well, today, as we've already been talking about, it's a special day as we enter into the Big Give Challenge together. I know many of you have already participated in this, and many uh, of you will before the day is through. Uh, we're inviting 100% of us to give 10% of one paycheck as a part of this challenge. We think about what God does in us as we give as we express our gratitude for God's blessings in our lives, as we demonstrate our trust in his provision, as we experience the joy of giving, as we grow in our generosity, and as we imagine what may be possible as we fuel this mission that God has for us together. Now, I know for some of you here, uh, participating in the Big Give Challenge will be a new step. It'll be a, a step in growing your giving. And I pray that, that out of this step, you'll consider what God might be inviting you to do, to continue to, to give regularly and to grow in your giving. For others who are already tithers, this is an opportunity to consider uh, an extra gift uh, above and beyond. In our family, we'll be giving a double tithe that's a part of the Big Give Challenge to join in with everyone as a part of this. As Pastor Ben already mentioned, we are tracking everything that comes in. So when you give, be sure to uh, note that it's for the Big Give Challenge because we want to make sure 10% of all of this goes towards uh, good laundry in Flint. And in just a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit more from Pastor Leo today. I'm very excited to share that with you. You know, we think about the Big Give Challenge, and, and I'm praying that God does big things in our hearts through this challenge. It's so clear as we've studied the scripture together this month, giving shapes our hearts. And so today, we want to celebrate what happens in us as we give. So today, we're going to look at a text of celebration. Uh, it's in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, I will have it on the screen for us as well. And we'll jump in there in just a moment. And in addition to walking through this text together, I want us to also celebrate today what God is doing right here among us as well. Now, last week, as uh, part of our time together, I invited you to share your giving story. And I'm telling you, I was blown away by the stories that you shared. 58 people wrote about their giving story. It was so humbling to read through those cards this week. I asked the questions, how have you experienced God's provision? How has giving changed your perspective? When has participating in generosity brought joy? 
So this morning, in addition to spending some time there in First Chronicles, we're also going to celebrate some of the stories among us of what God has been doing in our lives as we give. So let's begin uh, first with this text from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Now before we begin reading there, just a little context. Uh, This is a passage of scripture. In this chapter, we find the final speech that we have recorded from the great King David. We know a lot about King David and his life throughout the Old Testament. He is a a huge figure there in the Old Testament and the author of uh, most of the Psalms. And so not only do we know some of his story, but we know a lot about his heart. Uh, He's been called the man after God's own heart. And we know that David is someone who not only had some spectacular highs in his life, but he had some horrible lows in his life. And this is a man who knew what it was to walk with God through all of that, to know God as his provider and as his Lord. So at this key moment in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we find his last speech, and he's inviting God's people to invest in the cost of building the temple. And uh, right in this this passage, the people generously respond with their giving. We're going to jump in at verse 10 as David is giving thanks to the Lord for the generosity of his people. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Let's pause here for a moment. That phrase, uh, that key phrase in this passage, everything in heaven and earth is yours. See, right here in this prayer of David, we find this foundational concept in our faith, and it's the idea that we call stewardship, and it's simply this, what I possess, God owns. See, when we choose to follow Jesus and when we fully surrender our lives to him, that means it changes who is in charge and who is the owner. That kind of perspective changes how we handle all that has been entrusted to us. Now, several people wrote about this in their giving stories last week. I'm going to share a number of stories with you this morning, and I want to invite you to respond to these stories with a word of affirmation today, a way of celebrating together what we hear God doing in our midst. So after I read one of these stories, I'll ask you to say with me, amen, amen, all right. In college, I had a small job and made very little money, but I saw an umbrella in a small shop nearby that I really wanted. It was large and clear and exactly what I needed walking those rainy days to class. I saved up my measly paychecks and purchased the overpriced umbrella. It was great, and I loved it. But while driving downtown one day during a downpour, there was a couple standing on the corner waiting to cross the street. They were soaked and miserable. I did not hesitate when I rolled down my window and handed them my hard-earned umbrella and drove away. 
the joyous look on their faces and in my heart made me clearly realize this is God's intention. Possessions aren't ours, but God's to give to people in times of need. It really opened my eyes to what giving means as a Christian during the time that I was growing in my faith. I've kept this small story in my heart as I continue to grow. Amen? Amen. Amen. Another person wrote, I believe you cannot outgive God. He owns everything. The habit of tithing has given me peace and joy and helped me to not hold on so tightly to possessions. I used to tell my children, if we have a problem that money can solve, we don't really have a huge problem. Life's biggest challenges can't be solved by money. Amen. These two testimonies that I just read echo the truth that King David affirms for us. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Let's continue today in this text from 1 Chronicles chapter 29 at verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise you and praise your glorious name. Here we find this affirmation from David, wealth and honor come from you. This is a foundational idea in our faith that God is our provider. You know, that's a significant thing in our faith. And we have to pause and, and we might, that might just roll off the tongue, but think about that. Because our world teaches us to believe that self is the provider, right? And the truth is, when we have money at our disposal, it's so easy for money to give us a sense of power, a sense of authority, a sense of control over our own destiny. So that money can actually be a very attractive alternative to trusting God. See, this is a huge concept for us to understand God as our provider. The biblical practice of tithing, as we've talked about this month, is an action that shapes our hearts. Tithing is, is simply the biblical practice of giving the first 10% of your income back to God through the local church. When we do that, we're putting our trust in God, and we're recognizing in a very practical, heart-shaping way that he is the provider, that he is the owner, and that we rely upon him. He is God, he is the source, and we are not. When we give the first of our income back to God, it shapes our hearts. I want to share with you uh, a few more stories as people affirm this truth in their own lives. Get ready with some amens. <laughs> as a child, I was taught to give 10 cents from my $1 allowance. I've continued to do this my 84th year. God has blessed me more than I can tell, not in money, but in every area of my life. Amen. My husband and I got married when we were both in college. We worked part-time while going to school full-time, and money could get tight sometimes. But when we would give a tithe during those tight times, God would always provide so much more than we gave in ways we were not expecting. Amen. 
Over the course of my life, God has been faithful in his provision for me and my family. At the beginning of my adult life, I did not tithe, but grew into it. And God has honored our faithfulness by his provision. Amen. Never seem to outgive God. God always seems to take care of our needs. When I tithe, I never seem to miss or need what I have tithed. I love seeing what God is able to do and how he meets our needs in ways we never realized possible. Amen. I started tithing when I was a teen and working as a car hop. (laughs) In our married life, we have always tithed and we have not ever gone hungry or without anything that we needed. It makes us happy to give to the Lord. Amen. I have found that regular giving has given my income a boost. God provides for my necessities. Amen. These are wonderful testimonies of God's provision. People right here among us who have learned to trust God with their money. I love that we're learning from the Lord in this way together. The truth is, when we live with this idea of stewardship in our lives, it is training in divine economics. (laughs) And that way of, of experiencing God's kingdom can be different than the world's. We discover God's provision. Let's continue this morning in this text in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we'll see now how giving is shaping the hearts of God's people, beginning at verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as we all are as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our father Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. There's a lot of joy in this passage as we read God's provision and generosity through his people. As we see them uh, affirming God's ownership, God's provision, and their generous giving as they see what God is doing in their midst. See, as they give, they are participating in the kingdom mission. Because when we give, That means that we're allowed to to be a part of God's great economy and the larger story that he 
is writing. It stretches our vision and engages our hearts in his kingdom beyond just our own personal lives. Many people wrote about this in their own stories. I'd like to share three more with you this morning. One person wrote, We have found that as we've stretched in our giving, that we've grown in learning to trust God with our needs. Sometimes being generous doesn't seem to make budget sense from a worldly perspective, but God provides every time. Amen. As farmers, we've experienced some financially rocky years. I think of one year when the crop all around us turned black after so much rain. The field yielded nothing, but we ate and managed to pay our bills through the rest of the year, including tithing. Another year, we were able to raise a double crop of cucumbers, and it was laid on our hearts to give to a certain mission. Not long after that donation, they sent a letter stating that what we sent was exactly what they needed to replace a piece of equipment in their foreign office. Amen. There's not a need that has ever gone unmet in my life, in plenty or in want. I grew up tithing, even as a child, directed by tithing parents and the church. As we enter retirement, God continues to provide and bless us, bless us with more than we need so that we can continue to help others. This brings us much joy and fulfillment. We are so grateful. Amen. See, when we give, it does something in our hearts. It stretches our, our minds and our hearts to God's kingdom economy and the greater story that he is write, writing. There's so much joy that comes from giving. Well, as we know, in our Big Give Challenge, we've been uh, leaning into this opportunity to give a tithe from the Big Give Challenge to a ministry in Flint called Good Laundry. Earlier this week, I talked with Pastor Leo Robinson, and I want to invite you to listen to that conversation, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll use that time to close out this message time today. It's more good news about God's generosity and what God is doing just right down the road. Then after, past, after this uh, time hearing from Pastor Leo, we're going to close out our service, lifting our hearts in worship. I believe we'll have a powerful way to close the service together, for he is worthy to be praised. But first, let's listen together. Uh, we're so excited about partnering with you uh, with what Good Church is doing and your Good Laundry Project uh, as part of our Big Give Challenge. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, what Good Laundry is all about um, and the vision of that project. Yeah, first of all, hello, Alma, Church of God. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege and um, I'm humbled by this opportunity. We are humbled by this opportunity to partner with you guys. And uh, Good Laundry really is just um, a vision that the Lord has given us as we are church plant here in Flint, Michigan. We're a multi-generational, multi-cultural, multi-ethnic uh, church. We've been here for a year. And then out of that birth, um, the good laundry. We just ask questions. What are you in need of? 
what are your uh, barriers to moving forward? And so one of the things that we heard over and over was access to clean clothes is why a lot of them were missing school, why a lot of them weren't retaining their jobs because the laundromat in this area had closed down and they had to get on the bus, which is four or five miles away, because majority of them, more like 75% of them rely on public transportation. And so we wanted to make sure that they had access to clean clothes and not just to clean clothes, but to low cost uh, laundry services. And so that's where Good Laundry uh, came into picture. We love what you're doing. Um, t tell us about where is the project right now? How are things going? What does the timeline look like? So right now, our goal is the end of April, early May, somewhere the, the spring area is where we're, our goal is right now, our timeline. Um, that's my prayers that the first uh, load can be done in that, that moment, because we ha actually have individuals that are now starting to attend our church just because of the thought of them doing laundry here. And then a school actually um, is purchasing a day for their families to come on a specific day from the school to like they're going to buy the entire day for their families to come for free so now the pressure really is on us that will be done by um like i said the end of spring somewhere around there so that's the timeline that we're on right now that's exciting home stretch of of a huge project um, yes, yes. i love it i love it and i'm so glad that we get to be a very small part of that uh, as you've been trusting the Lord for provision and as you've been experiencing generosity of people coming alongside in this project, um, I'd love to know what have you been learning about the Lord's provision and the power of giving through this whole journey? And you, you said something like you guys play a small piece, and I think that you may not understand the ripple that you guys may have in this picture as well. And I, and I, and I almost, I I'm almost brought to tears when I think of it because individuals in our community, when it comes to just the simple idea of a laundromat, but seeing that right now, like we, like first and foremost, us playing a church in this neighborhood and the, the, the quality of things that we have in this church, we started with $3,000 in our bank account, but we've had over $300,000 of renovations and we're debt free. So what that meant when we didn't do a lot of fundraising or anything like that, it just, just people from the outside was pouring into us and, and it was just unsolicited uh, majority of it. And it was just awesome to see that. But with the laundromat, it's a whole nother level because now, first you had the ministry side. Now you see that this is a tangible type of resource for whether it's for the Muslim next door or the atheist next door, like the church is the church, but now you have this, this resource that is available to the community. Let's see if other people will step in like that. Let's see if the city will step in for something like this, because we it's still a part of the church. And that right there has stretched my personal faith as where's well my leadership um, relationship with the Lord as well too, because it shows that the church, it, the body is much bigger than just pouring into resources that have to do with me preaching on a Sunday or a worship team needing a new um, keyboard or whatever. But the church is like you guys are so 
uh, invested into pouring into a ministry that may not have a direct impact on you and Alma, but it would have a direct impact on kingdom and uh, the ministry of the, the bigger church, the church. And so that's to me is the most kind of eye-opening uh, thing that I've seen in this journey is that people are also seeing that, man, there's a church that they're investing in to this laundromat that probably no one from Alma is going to drive up here and do laundry, but you guys know the heart of the father that, that you, you are invested so much that you're going to invest financial resources to see this thing through. Pastor Leo, we are praying for you and for your family. We're praying for good church and we're praying for good laundry. I'm wondering if uh, we could ask, would you take a moment and pray for us today? God, I love you so much. And I just thank you for first loving us. There is nothing that we can do uh, in this moment to make you love us more. And I just, I'm grateful for that because your love has already been extended to us. My prayer, God, is that we continue to show that love to others. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Aaron and Dan and um, uh, the leaders over at Alma Church of God and, and all those that are sitting in the seats. And I just thank you for their heart and their commitment um, to the mission of Alma and that they're also committed to the mission of the kingdom. And I just thank you for allowing us to be in fellowship together. And I pray, Lord, that whatever that seed that they're sowing, I pray, God, that you multiply it and that uh, we'll be able to see the fruit um, of it uh, in our life somehow, some way that uh, as individuals are washing their clothes, that even uh, in those moments that we'll be able to share your love to them in your your heart and that a young mother or a, a widowed a father will be able to understand that you love them more than they would ever imagine because of moments like this and um and i pray god that um that when we get to spend eternity with you that a simple laundromat has brought people into your kingdom and thank you for this partnership and i just pray that um we continue to be obedient and that we continue to put our pride aside and understand that uh, it takes humility to do what we do and that it's not about one church, but it's about the church. Again, thank you in advance and I love you and, and just thank you again. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.